You've reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. We are talking about The Mandalorian Season 2 on Disney Plus, Episode 7 of Season 2. So that would be... Fifteen, yeah, the believer. Uh, I mean, interesting episode. Uh, I feel like because in the previous episode you saw Boba Fett do all that cool hand-to-hand combat mm-hmm. with the uh, with his gaffy. That was the previous episode, right? With the gaffy stick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, you had to. They they were like, well, we have to show that Din Djarin can. Do hand-to-hand combat without using the blasters, and he got to be—he got to do it on top of a moving transport. So he's the cooler Mandalorian. I mean, they can both be cool people. Yeah, <laughs> there's room for every love for every Mandalorian here. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. So we are definitely going to get deeper into that episode uh, after we get into our geeks wa- our weeks watch. Sorry, uh, so Elizabeth. What did you watch this week? So we finished up the latest season of All Rise on CBS. Yes, CBS. <laughs> and it's Maybe. just the winter finale. Oh, okay. So they, they'll come back in the spring if COVID allows it. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're watching All Rise. For those who don't know about it, it follows um, an African-American female judge who gets appointed to the bench at the start of the first season in LA as a former prosecutor. And it kind of follows the trials and tribulations in this particular, I guess, half a season. I don't even know what to call yeah. it then at this point. Yeah. It's half yeah. a season. Um, even less than half a season. Cause they couldn't do too many episodes because of COVID. Yeah. So at the start of COVID, they actually did an entire episode on zoom. So they they did that. And then these last several episodes have dealt with a lot of what 2020 has had to deal with in terms of the protests and COVID and the aftermath and fallout from all of that, as well as the stress from being under lockdown and being vigilant for eight months. So, And then to throw in extra. Then to throw in an extra, our main character uh, is pregnant. And I believe it's the actress also. Uh, that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's what I've, what we've been watching. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the season finale for the first season had to be reshot or shot 
retooled and shot in Zoom <laughs> for due to COVID. And and then this whole season has been about how does a courtroom look when having to take certain precautions? And then, yeah, the, the whole season started off with her being involved in a protest accidentally being involved kind of, I mean, yeah. not accidentally because yeah. she jumps out of the car to, to go and protect a little, uh, a young woman, but um, she wasn't part of the protest. Correct. And cause the internet's finally working. Simone Missick. That's correct. She was, yeah. um, she's one of the Dora Milaje at one point in black Panther. And she's also been Misty Knight ah. on Luke Cage. Uh, and she plays Lola Carmichael, who is the name of the character, the judge. Um, and so you end up with, it's kind of, in terms of legal procedurals, which oftentimes I find very frustrating, this one has a lot of the drama without sacrificing quite as much of the actual procedure. If that makes sense, like it's yeah, it would be as if every attorney just gave you their most extreme case and they just shoved them all together. But okay. realistic in case in in actual how courtroom procedurals work and those kinds of things. So it's good. I enjoy it. Oh, and just a tangential connection mm-hmm. to uh, another show we talked about. Uh, one of the actresses on the show was Pirate Jenny from Watchmen. Oh. Yeah. Oh. She plays a public defender. All right. Pirate Jenny. So that is on CBS. You can get it on CBS All Access if you have access to that. Soon to become Paramount Plus. Right. Uh, anything else you'd like to bring up? All rise. All right. Jessica, what did you watch this week? Uh, well, I finally caved and I finally finished watching season four or the final season of Star Wars Rebels on Disney Plus. And it was great. It was devastating. Still not quite over it because I knew it ended on a horrible cliffhanger. So <laughs> that's why I was avoiding it for so long. And then I knew like a character died. And so that's another reason why I was avoiding it for so long. So I'm just like, just going to binge it all one day. And I did, and I got through it, and so now I know exactly how Ahsoka Tano managed to make it to the Mandalorian. And, yeah, it was great. I highly recommend it if you like Star Wars and you like the live actions. Give the shows a try, the cartoon shows, if you haven't yet, because they expand the universe in a really good way, and uh, Filoni is just really good with Star Wars. He he knows the stuff about Star Wars, and the, the lore that's added is tremendously good too it like really gets really deep into the lore and that's what i like about it so yeah and you said this is rebels and it ends on a cliffhanger is that like is it is is rebels not over as a show rebels is over as a show but it did end on a cliffhanger and it and it ends in you know basically ahsoka tano which we kind of talked about when we're talking about the mandalorian but ahsoka tano is trying to find Ezra Bridger, who is the lead of Star Wars Rebels, and so it ends on her and Sabine. Like it, it kind of sort of like Ezra gets captured by Thrawn, as you know from the Mandalorian, and that's why Ahsoka's Tano is looking for Thrawn. It's not even quite like that either. It's way more complex than that. But anyway, Ezra (laughs) gets lost, and then it's like 
flashes forward to the entire war. So basically the entire original trilogy happening and it's the end of that. And then the character Sabine, who is the other Mandalorian character that I hope will end up being on the Mandalorian as well. And Ahsoka Tano going off to find Ezra. And that's how it ends. And then the next thing that you get from it is in the Mandalorian of Ahsoka Tano actively looking for Thrawn. So that's that's all we got. <laughs> and Sabine is Bo-Katan's sister, or am I thinking of a different character? No, Sabine is... I mean, Sabine is the one that gave Bo-Katan the dark saber in Star Wars Rebels. There was an episode where she actually finds a dark saber and she gives it to Bo-Katan. And we don't know how between here and there it was taken and now Moth Gideon has it. We don't know that yet, but um, but she's basically another just high prominent family within Mandalore. She's a wren, so they're they're just and it's just like a their own clan, but they're very high up in the hierarchy of Mandalore, I guess. Whereas Bo Katan is like the heiress of Mandalore in a way. Okay. All right. So finished up Rebels, which I believe yes. is in Disney Plus. Yes. And then and I, I, yeah, I did go ahead and I started Resistance, which is another Star Wars show, Star Wars mm-hmm. Resistance. It's different animation, but it's still done by Filoni. Um, and it takes place. Let's see. The first take, first season takes place before The Force Awakens, and then on the finale, it catches up to The Force Awakens. And then the oh. second season is within the Last Jedi. So, <laughs> and is, is are are there Easter eggs from that show in the movies, the the sequel trilogy? Um, yeah, Poe Dameron is featured in it. He comes in a few episodes. Actually, the first season has BB-8 on it too, and and stuff like that. So there are a few Easter eggs, and it does sort of kind of talk about what's going on, like the main character is named Kaz and he joins the resistance. Like he's a Navy pilot. He thinks he's the best pilot ever. And he decides to join the resistance to be a spy on this like station on a planet that basically has races and stuff. It's basically like a, it's a fueling area basically, but it's its own little community. And the resistance knows the first order wants something to do with that thing. So they need a spy there and Kaz is a spy there, but he ends up figuring out, in a way that the first order is planning something big. And when you're watching it, you know, it's going to be that they're going to destroy the Hosnian prime with the star killer base thing. But it's interesting to see how he's like piecing together exactly what the first order is doing. And he doesn't quite know how bad it's going to be until it happens. And you're like, yeah, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So, but it's good. It's has a different set of characters. There's no, I mean, there's kind of hints that there's force sensitive characters, but it's not, it's really all just about the resistance and being a spy for the resistance in that time period when people didn't even really still don't quite believe in Jedi or anything like that, like it was in the Force Awakens movie. So it's pretty good. It's not quite as strong as Rebels or Clone Wars, but it's still a pretty decent watch. I'm not, I think I'm into like, I don't know, five episodes into season two already. So. I'm clearly liking it because I'm watching it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I assume that's also able to binge on Disney Plus. Yes. Okay. Anything else? I think that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing in more Star Wars. I know. 
<laughs> she can't get enough. I, I mean, there's not going to be a movie this year, so that's understandable. <laughs> I, mean, I guess if I have to throw in something, I was like, also on Disney Plus, I have rediscovered the new Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which I completely no. forgot about until it popped up in my like recommended for you new Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. and it, and I was like, this is the theme song I always have stuck in my head, and I've been watching that too, like before I go to bed. No. So. Is that the one? Is that, is that the animated one, or is that the one with the people in the costumes? No, it, it's the animated one, but it's like the newish ones. I can't remember exactly what years it came out. I remember watching it when I was a kid, so probably the '90s. But I had the theme song stuck in my head for so long, but I never knew which Winnie the Pooh series it was. And it just goes because it goes Pooh Bear, Winnie the Pooh Bear. Wherever you go, oh, would you take me, please? Like I sing it all the time. And- <laughs> No, and so I was like, "What's this?" And it plays, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like it's the, the first episode was January seventeenth, nineteen eighty eight. The final episode was October twenty sixth, nineteen ninety one. Okay, so but it was probably on reruns then. Oh, probably on reruns. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. When was when was Dumbo's Flying Circus? I remember that one for some reason. Oh, that was like early eighties. Oh God! Dumbo's Flying Circus. <laughs> Because that uses the cost that was the costumes. It wasn't animated, right? Yeah, that was yeah. like Sesame yeah. Street, basically. Uh, yeah. Take a deep breath. The first episode was in 1985. Uh, not the early 80s. Oh, okay. okay, so it, it was age appropriate ish for the time then. <laughs> I'm currently watching these shows, so <laughs> Here we go. I'm gonna go see if they've added Dumbo's Flying Circus to Disney Plus. Probably. I don't know what the what's the what was the name of the Winnie Pooh one when they were wearing costumes as I, opposed to animation because that's the one I watched when I was a kid and I'm sure it was just reruns then too. Actually, I'm pretty sure that was a fever dream once. And- <laughs> I mean, that could, that could be it too. I am scared of humanoid animals or yeah, animatronics. Yeah, well, they're, 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 they're called furries. <laughs> I am scared um, of furries. <laughs> I think that might have been the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, as opposed to the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. What was the years on that? I don't know if that was. I don't remember. I just remember going to my aunt's house when I was really young, and she had paid for the Disney Channel because that was a quite the premium channel you had to get when I was a kid and uh, being able, you'd had to, uh, that was one of the only things that was on, on the Disney channel. We watched a lot. So. Uh, I'm looking up because many adventures is the, the movies that came out. So it was still animated. Um, yeah. Welcome no. to Pooh corner. That's what it is. That's what it was. Pooh corner. That was <laughs> 1983 to 1986. Yeah, so yeah, all right. Ended when I was four. (laughs) Okay, so Star Wars and Winnie the Pooh. Let's move on to John. What did you watch this week? So tangentially related, I decided that I owe John Favreau a big one, Mm -hmm. uh, just because I've been enjoying his work so much. So continuing the trend from having seen the holiday movies that made us, and I admitted I hadn't seen Elf yet. So yeah. I watched the making of and pretty much spoiled the entire story. Yeah. I still enjoyed it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was nice. It was a fun movie. Um, it has a lot more heart than I would have given it credit for, for sure. And I'm sure that it had a lot to do with Favreau's directing. Um, and to that point, I decided to see something much more recent. So I, I also watched Chef on Netflix. Ooh, oh. did you like that? It was great. I love that. I, now, and the thing that I loved about this is because, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, I'm sure in passing it's been said, I think my favorite Pixar movie is Ratatouille. Yeah. Because I just love watching all that cooking and <laughs> meal prepping. And this movie is just like porn for that. Do you realize there are entire TV channels dedicated to watching other people cook? Yeah, you know, it's, and, it's fiction, though. I, 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 <laughs> I, I yeah exactly I that's like watching like a documentary or like an unscripted television this is like <laughs> cinematic cooking there's like a, a, a subtle but important difference oh yeah um like when they make those commercials for like fast food and everything looks so like sumptuous and you know delicious and succulent <laughs> but then you see how they actually do it and it's like the fakest thing ever um, yeah. I think I just like the illusion of like really delicious looking food <laughs> and um uh, Nevertheless, it had a lot of that. And I love the idea. I don't know if this has ever been confirmed or not, but he made this movie a short time after he did what Iron Man 2. Um, and he basically quit. He was like, yeah, I'm not doing another one. Because like, it's just, he didn't outright bash Disney, but he basically said, yeah, that bureaucracy is just insane. It's like insane. Um, and this movie is supposedly a drawn-out metaphor for hating the studio system and just going back and doing something personal. Yeah. And if that's but the case, and even if make, it is, huh? I said, but then he went on to make Jungle Book next. Like, well, yeah. I mean, then he went back to the well, but then that gave him the freedom to now do, you know, Mandalorian and all these other shows. Uh, one of which was not officially announced, and uh, that's a little something I can't wait to talk about. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that so uh, yes I enjoyed and I, I gave thanks and props and a big high five um, if I knew where to do it I would send him a dozen roses uh, because I just think Favreau is just awesome and my thanks to him are watching his first big movie and his most recent personal movie so I would say that with Chef, uh, I liked that movie all the way up until the end. The ending I felt was just way too rushed and anticlimactic. But like, yes, the cooking in it is pretty awesome. The, the, the Cubans, yeah, the Cubans. Go food get food. a Cuban sandwich. <laughs> um, you should also give a movie if you want to see movies where cooking is done. You should do Burnt with Bradley Cooper. That is also another great movie. Um, mm. There is Big Night with. Uh, uh, Stanley Tucci and Monk. I forget what the actor's name is from Monk. Oh, yeah. Like Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. Thank you. Oh. Uh, another great cooking movie. Um, but, yeah, there was also supposed to be um, The Magic Kingdom, which he he was supposed to do after Iron Man 2. They took him off of Iron Man 3, and he was going to go do The Magic Kingdom. The one oh, where it's like the night at the museum, but with Disneyland. Yeah, I remember that. So yeah, that, that I remember flat. thinking that was a cool idea. Yeah. So I don't know. It was probably Tomorrowland that like crashed it because that one did so terribly. Yeah. It did. That well, did not do well. There actually is a book series called 
the Kingdom Keepers, in which Disney gets these kids to like pretend to be, or not pretend, but they like act out to be these tour guide holograms that'll be throughout the Walt Disney World Park of Magic Kingdom. And then because of magic, they can then in their dreams appear as their holograms in Magic Kingdom and then they have to just like stop the villains from trying to destroy the world or something like that. Like it's utterly ridiculous and insane, but I, I still do. read it. Like, just, <laughs> I do think I remember hearing something about that, that being turned into a show. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. But that's what, when I heard the magic kingdom thing being brought up, I kind of sort of thought, I was like, are they going to, is that their Cause they like to use like code names for stuff. So I thought maybe that was going to be a kingdom keepers mm. movie, but but now I'm pretty, yeah, they're probably going to do a show. It's like a very popular book series. I think it's done. I don't know. I think I only read the first three books, but it's like one of those middle school aged, kind of like Percy Jackson aged books. Oh. Can't remember who wrote so, it. So John, that elf, was that on anything specific? I believe that's on Amazon Prime uh, or okay. Stars, more specifically, I think. And uh, Chef was on Netflix. And then I think supplementally, you can go and watch the Chef show. Isn't that the name that yes. of John Favreau's Chef show that he has on there? Yes. Does he? And yeah, yeah, he does. It's a show. And I think the first episode, he makes those Cubans again. Oh. I don't yeah, really he, want a Cuban. Yes, he does. <laughs> they use the guy <laughs> how to cook for the movie. Mm. Like, yeah. Oh, that's called something Choi, I think. I yeah. Saw. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, cool, cool. For my first uh, week's, week's watch, I listened to Jess and John talk about all the <laughs> stuff that came out in the investor call. And I have to say, those are really good wrap-up. I really enjoyed that, guys. Aw, thanks. So, uh, I mean, for those who might not have listened to that overtime, what was the thing? one thing that you were the most excited about that was announced on that day? So many things. Chippendales. Chippendales Rescue Rangers of John Mulaney. Thank you. How do you actually feel about John Mulaney doing the voice of Chip, though? Like, I feel like Chip's the more masculine one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but between John Mulaney and like Andy Samberg had to be Dale, like between the two. I feel like John Mulaney can play a good serious person. I feel like he can. Peter I don't know. Parker? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I'm going to hear Spider Ham that whole time, probably. Yeah, me too. <laughs> don't care. I don't you know, know what, though? I'm I, I love Chippendale's Rescue Rangers um, to the point that I know that Gadget's last name is Goodwrench for some reason. Yep. Um, and um, and I, I, who'd you say? Didn't you guys say someone was going to be doing the voice of uh, Monterey Jack? Uh, no, we I, didn't. I, I don't think that's even been announced. We only know Chip and Dale right now. No, yeah. I think I remember hearing someone else. Maybe it was a different podcast saying something. Maybe it was Seth Rogen. Someone was going to be Monterey Jack. Huh. I can see Jack Black doing it for some reasons. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jack Black can do anything. Have you seen his videos lately? <laughs> yes. Monterey Jack Black. <laughs> ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know what though? Like I, I love the Rescue Rangers series. I remember I had the little toys you got from McDonald's where they had like the little flying vehicles for all mm-hmm. of them. Um, 
And uh, that was like in the early 90s. So I was probably a little much too old at the time, but I didn't care. Um, I guess I got beat up a lot in high school. Uh, but <laughs> I feel like this is a good stepping stone for them to release more of the Disney afternoon because I'm still holding out someday for them making Tailspin. Like, I, I don't care how it happens. I want to see Tailspin on the big screen uh, in an updated format. Yeah. What if it looks like Carnage and everything? Huh? What if it looks like the Jungle Book, like the new Jungle Book, since, you know, they're the characters, kind of? I don't know. I, it, I'd be open to however they do it. If it looks like real animals, actually, like, in planes and stuff, <laughs> it'd be crazy <laughs> enough to work, I think. Okay. As a matter of fact, I just saw a video recently. Somebody edited uh, real animals into The Empire Strikes Back, The Battle of Hoth. What? So you, yeah. <laughs> Like okay. you have, you I, have all the. Thi- <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's best not to ask why. It's just to try to like absorb it. Um, but it's really well done. You have actual animals that are superimposed over, like you know, in the cockpit. The AT-ATs are actually camels, but they have all of the other actual video around them. They're just like superimposed. It, it's ridiculous, but it works. I thought it was really funny, and I was like, "Hey, tailspin." I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about something that was announced on the day and not the the new property you're coming up with? Was there something that you were super <laughs> for? Oh yeah. yeah. That, that was that was my pitch right there for uh for Tiger. <laughs> uh yeah, I was super stoked and there should be no secret for anyone in this group because you all saw it uh, live mm-hmm. as it happened. Yeah. Uh, P- Patty Jenkins being announced to direct a Rogue Squadron movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was going to be. What it's going to be? Is it going to be Top Gun in outer space? <laughs> yes, kind of. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to focus entirely on just like the flight group that essentially you see like at the end of uh, New Hope and at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. Like, just all of those dudes are, like, this ragtag elite team. Uh, In a way, I guess it's now sort of unofficially confirmed that Rogue One is what started that elite commando unit, sort of like a black within the Rebellion. Mm -hmm. Um, They go on, like, super, like, top-secret, dangerous missions. Um, So it's basically going to be a continuation of that. And as of right now... It hasn't been confirmed whether or not this is going to take place within the time frame of the original trilogy, somewhere in between where, like, where the Mandalorian takes place, or closer to the sequel trilogy, or it's some kind of overlap. It's not hasn't been made clear exactly what that is. Uh, one theory I saw is that uh, ever since the start of the New Republic mm-hmm. uh, and before the um, the First Order really came into power, um, there was no real need for the the rogue group anymore, so for the rogue squadron. So this is essentially them bringing them back now because they're needed again after like a long period of time. Um, so that's more than likely what it's going to be. It's going to be mostly new people, not really going to have Wedge or Luke in them. Although I'm sure they can make that happen. <laughs> Probably. So okay, so. Any ideas then, since there wasn't much announced about it, what's the Rangers of the New Republic going to be? We have a title. That's it. That's literally all I gave you. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, there's a theory for that one that's a little bit more plausible, that it's going to be essentially Cara Dune's character, our Gina Carano, breaking off and having essentially like, just like a ragtag group of marauders that she now is going around the galaxy and, you know, trying to round up more Imperials and whatnot, or, you know, war criminals. Um, but it's not really clear exactly what else it's going to have to do, other than it takes place during the time of the Mandalorian, there's going to be overlap and it's going to be run by Filoni and Favreau. Uh, I mean, definitely in this episode, we're going to talk about, they showcase a lot of Gina Carano's ability to kick ass. So that is yeah. a possibility. Uh, my other week's watch was Mank on Netflix. It is the new David Fincher movie all about Herman Mankiewicz, the writer of Citizen Kane. And oh. yeah, it is, <laughs> Uh, actually, writ- the movie itself was written by uh, David Fincher's father, Jack Jack Fincher, before he died in 1993. Whew. And uh, this is a movie that he's always wanted to make, much like how Patty Jenkins always wanted to make a dogfight movie uh, for her mm-hmm. father. And finally, when he made Mindhunter for Netflix, they asked, well, what's the thing, the next thing you want to do? What's your, your dream project? And he said, yeah, I want to make this movie that my father wrote. So... He finally got to make it. It is technically sound. It has great actors like Gary Oldman and uh, Charles Dance and Amanda oh, no. Seyfried. Like I'm sorry. waiting. I'm sorry. I'm like waiting for the butt. On this. Like. <laughs> and here it comes. I thought it was incredibly boring. Like, oh. I was not really into the movie. It just to. I mean, I, I know I know there's going to be other people that were really into this movie and, and enjoy it, but to me, I, and it, I didn't hate it. I just thought I was just indifferent to it. I was just bored. Like, it did not strike for me, so... Yeah, uh, who plays Orson Welles? Uh, you know, I don't know who the actor was. They they don't show him a lot because I think I think they didn't want to show his face, but I, I know I've seen him somewhere before. Um, so, yeah. He did... Do a pretty good, somewhat impression of Orson Welles with a voice, but <laughs> like, yeah, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what the name of the actor. Uh, but what, like, once again, Gary Oldman, who's I got, I got to imagine is in his sixties, is playing a uh, a real life person that was thirty four around this time, and they try and fictionalize it by saying he's forty four, but he drinks a lot, so you know he looks older, and. Uh, that's, that's it just it was a little harsh because they <laughs> his wife and it is still in her late twenties and it's just to me it just seems very awkward. Uh, there's a lot of time jumping. Like the movie takes place in flashbacks and in jump forward, jump back. You know, different points in time, kind of like the The Witcher in the first season, as we came oh, yeah. to find out. Um, but that yeah, was a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, was it a just lot. It, it just did not hit for me. So I'm sure there's it's a, it's it's great for a lot of people, just not for me. So mm. just wanted to give that out. And if if you see, I I also have to put a disclaimer. I've never seen Citizen Kane, so I don't have that background. <gasps> I haven't. For shame. I know you I haven't, haven't seen it either, it. Jessica. No, it's it's on my list. It's been forever on my list, and I still have yet to watch Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's like the. I don't know if it still is. But I know it was AFI's number one for a very long time. So, 
uh, it's you know, obviously a very highly regarded movie, and yeah. you you get the reason why in the movie. Like in Mank, it's like you know, there's it's very important. So, yeah, there you go. That was my week's watch. It's on Netflix. Netflix <laughs> original. Go out and watch it, or stay in and watch it. Did you ever watch RKO? That was kind of similar to this movie, probably. You know what? I seen parts of it with Liv Shriver as uh, Orson Welles. Yeah. <laughs> I've never watched it. Did you watch it? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good uh, at the time that I watched it. Um, kind of sounds like it covers a lot of this because it's had a lot to do with the writing of the movie, but it's a lot more from Orson Welles' point of view, which is played by Leif Schreiber. And, uh, yeah, the actor that plays uh, Orson Welles in this one is Tom Burke, who, yeah, has has that face. Kind of looks like him. <laughs> did has got uh, that prominent jawline. Did you look up what, what else Tom Burke has done in the, in the past? Yes, uh, he has been in... Let's see, the cover is Ryan Gosling. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Only God Forgives, The Souvenir, Third Star, and Mank. That's his four credits. Oh, so Only God Forgives is the only thing I've seen, and that was not a good movie. Oh, actually, there's a there's a bunch of TV stuff, too, here. Uh, the Musketeers. That's where I know him from. Yes, he plays Atos in that one. Yep, that's a good show. Oh, BC he was America in... He was in the British uh, Utopia. Oh, there you go. That's where I recognize him from. Yeah, I was like, hey, I've seen this dude. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Mank is on Netflix. Let's get into The Mandalorian. Chapter 15, The Believer. This is all about getting information from an imperial base, refinery, so that they can find out where Moff Gideon is with Grogu. How uh, <laughs> at least say the child, please. <laughs> um, how did everybody find Bill Burr Come, returning from uh, what was the name of his episode from the first season? The heist, the breakout. I don't know. The, something yeah, like something like that. Yeah, I think it was the heist. Yeah, yeah. I I really liked him in this episode. Yeah, they. they they turned around and gave him an arc that it didn't need, but it it was very well deserved. No, as soon as he started talking about the Cinder Project, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> he was one of those." So you remember Operation Cinder from the? I guess it was in Battlefront Two. Yes. Yes, it was in Battlefront Two. I kind of sort of knew about it from other things before that, but it's really prominent in Battlefront Two. So for people that don't know, the Cinder Project is basically when the Empire is like, well, we don't know what to do now, but we still want to be an Empire. So we're just going to go ahead and steal these satellites and use them to create these crazy storms on these planets to basically just still instill fear of the Empire. But then one thing that they do and like, I understand the fear tactic of it, of being like horrible Imperial crap but they attack their own people basically like they just don't give a crap about imperial civilians or anything like that they just they're just instilling fear that's all they're doing and so yeah as bill burr kind of talks about it it was was another you know shit show for everybody and 
a lot of people that were imperial ended up pulling from the empire because of Operation Cinder. But it also sort of enabled the empire to turn into the First Order as well, eventually. So, yeah. And it all ended with the Battle of Jakku, which happened on the planet you find Rey at. That's why there's so many abandoned ships on Jakku is because that's actually where everything ended and that's when the Republic thought they ev- they destroyed the Emperor or the Empire and no, it actually just turned into the First Order eventually after all that. So There you go. I thank you for the history report. Recap. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I have to say I really enjoyed about this episode uh, other than the fact that we got to see the actor who played Joe Chill in the Batman Begins movie, and also the and, uh, from the game yes, film. that's the one. <laughs> uh, is, and he was also in Mandy, by the way. If you haven't seen that movie yet, he plays the chemist. That movie is nuts. You should watch it. I have not watched it yet. I've been meaning to. Oh, uh, so good. I I liked I, I, as much as we hate the Empire for being the evil Empire. Like getting <laughs> to see just the regular. Stormtrooper soldiers that were kind of like, you know, they're just, you know, saluting them because they did a good job. Like they got the redonium to the refinery. Like, and then they killed them all. Well, yeah. Then, yeah. After he had <laughs> yeah. a long speech about you killed your own people and stuff like that, he goes and kills all the soldiers that were in the redonium. Yeah. The refinery. So, pretty much. <laughs> but that's Bill so Burr for it's you. It's what he needs to sleep at night. It's true. Yeah. I did I did appreciate that very realistic kind of approach, you know, like look, I'm a soldier, I, I'm an ex-soldier, I don't really care. Like do whatever you need to do to sleep at night. Cause that's really all you've got. Yeah. Yeah. How do we feel about Din Djarin taking off his helmet? He looks like such a sad puppy. <laughs> just every time he takes off his helmet I'm like oh no you poor thing <laughs> and it was for so long I mean oh. I like that they, they, they do make him look very sweaty like obviously it would be sweaty underneath his helmet but he always whenever he takes it off it's very sweaty looking yes. oh yeah I mean like they even mentioned it earlier in the episode when they beat up those two stormtroopers and take over their suits Mm-hmm. And Bill Burr is like, oh man, his gloves are still wet. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, I, I can just relate to that so much because it's so like vivid. I was like, ugh. And then yeah. between this episode and the se- the episode in the first season where he took off his helmet, uh, mm-hmm. in IG IG eleven saw him mm-hmm. like, I'm not one to talk about anybody's appearance, but Pedro Pascal looks bloated. Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> But like his head always just looks bloated, or at least, at least between the two scenes. <laughs> Anybody else get that, or is it just me? Maybe he's retaining a little water. You don't know. I don't know if he looked. I don't think he looked bloated to me, at least in this scene. And like in the first season, he did. But I always figured that was because of pain. Yeah, Since his character was injured at the time. This one, it, he just felt so stiff to me. And I didn't realize, and there was something so awkward about his movements too. And I didn't click till later when I read articles about it later on that people pointed out that he was still moving like he had a helmet on, 
like he like he didn't know how to use his peripherals, so he still moved very robotic, like to see things. <laughs> and I, I think that's what bugged me the whole scene. I was like, why is he so? Why is he just so stiff? Like, what's? Oh, well, he's uncomfortable. Like that makes sense. But like later on, it clicked. Like, oh, like he literally he doesn't know how to not be in a helmet. Like, yeah, he just—he's yeah. so used to always having to turn his whole head and his whole body to look to the left and right, which oh. definitely got to be hard when you're shooting things. Honestly, I sort of wonder that, like, if he wore the helmet for that long, if his peripherals actually would even fully develop. Like, I don't know when he started wearing a helmet, but like, if you're used to not using your peripherals, when you don't use things, your brain just shuts it down because it's just wasting energy. Maybe so it actually would make sense. He might not. Yeah, he might not be able to see through his peripherals anymore from huh. just a neurolo- neurological standpoint. I wonder. I don't know. I'm sure there's studies. <laughs> all that, all that brain damage. <laughs> Maybe he actually does is hard of hearing, too, since the helmet is just blocking off his hearing all the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm sure there's microphones and, and ear, ear yeah. headphones or something. <laughs> I want to do like a research project right now. Oh, God. <laughs> Here's the one thing that bugged me. They give the excuses, the reason that he's not replying because he's hard of hearing, so you have to speak up. Except then the commanding officer never catches on that he's now responding to things when he talks at a normal voice or like he heard him from behind tell them to stop. Like, I mean, obviously the guy wasn't that good of a person, <laughs> a soldier, whatever. Yeah. It have to be pretty dense. Or pretty drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that one might have been it. He yeah. was already ready to drink. The drunk might have been it. I feel like he probably was catching on. And that's also why Bill Burr went on his spiel and just started killing people. Because I think Bill Burr knew that as soon as they sat down at the table, they were screwed. Mm. Either way. So that's what I, I took it as. I do also really, really appreciate the southern drawl. That that imperial officer had, yeah, like it was just such an evil sort of like pristine plantation owner sort of southern drawl. That was like, <laughs> this is just such the perfect voice for this character. Like, oh gosh, it was so evil sounding. Yeah, very true. But yeah, that was the one thing that bugged me in this episode. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how did everybody feel about? I was about to call him Django Boba cleaning up his armor. Yes. Uh, when he showed up, I was like, ooh, nice duds. That looks really nice. <laughs> now, in canon, he's never looked that spiffy. Like, you know, in the time jump between Attack of the Clones and technically now when you hope in this reintroduced cameo, like, it, it was never looking that new or that polished. Yeah. Now, so this looks nice. nice. I was gonna say he's yes. running around. He's running around with another Mandalorian. <laughs> and insist that his armor look good. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, oh shit, this guy's showing me up. I gotta give it a once over. Speaking of showing up, the cool new toy Boba Fett showed off at the end of this episode. Not new. Not new. No. Of course. New. Okay, so I wanted to get to that point. <laughs> <clears throat> Glad I could accommodate you. <laughs> okay, so, yes. Uh, towards the end of the episode, they're making their getaway. They had to get up on the roof. Prior to that, uh, Cara Dune and uh, Shenik were picking them off because they're both, you know, accomplished snipers and so on. Uh, Boba Fett picks them up. They start making their way out. Uh, not before Bilber shoots the, the base, destroys one of the ship or, or the 
the juggernauts that had the rhinonium, blows it up, they start to get away. Two TIE fighters start giving chase. Then we see the uh, sequence that Beth is referring to. From the back of the ship, a, I don't know how you would describe it, football-shaped device kind of uh, pops out and drops. Mm -hmm. And then when it gets to that point where it's right between the two TIE fighters, it detonates. But it doesn't just detonate. (laughs) it, It sucks away all sound for a split second. And then it just sounds like a crazy subwoofer just exploded. Yeah, I love yeah. that sound. That was a good sound. His dad no, used that... it against Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars. Exactly. Yeah, Star Wars the Clone Wars, yeah. Or no, Attack of the Clones. Every time. Star Wars Attack of the Clones, it is featured in there, but it's Jango Fett that's using it. Yep, yep. And those things are called seismic charges. We mm-hmm. haven't seen them since Attack of the Clones. And when they came when when that rear hatch opened and I saw what was coming out. I didn't realize till after the fact that I involuntarily stopped breathing. (laughs) And I didn't realize that until, because once it exploded, I just did a crazy inhale of like, like, (laughs) holy shit. Like like I was subconsciously waiting for that detonation sound effect because it's so unique and interesting that, yeah, yeah, that that was a highlight of an already really badass episode. Not gonna lie, it's been a long time since I watched the prequels, so it's all right. <laughs> well, okay, so you got some new, new old badass weaponry from Bobo. I, I, I'm guessing that that thing was like just sitting on the slave one for all the time, or <laughs> whatever. Maybe he yeah. bought a new one. Uh, but that- how come he didn't, you know, hammer out that dent in his helmet if he's gonna? spiffy up his his uh his armor again i mean the ladies like the scars right <laughs> i don't know do they do the ladies like the scars? no comment <laughs> it's a story <laughs> it is what is the story behind the dent in the helmet i assume uh, it's the dent that he got from getting knocked into the sand <laughs> no well i mean supposedly it they added it in uh, Attack of the Clones when Jango's making his escape from Kamino um, mm-hmm. when they're getting away from Obi-Wan. He kind of bumps his head in the like ramp as he's trying to get away. Okay. Um, so supposedly that's where it came from. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where it's just like, hey, clearly he's a badass. He's been shot at in the head and survived or whatever caused that thing. Could have been a pickaxe for all we know. Um, I'm going to say he just... <laughs> I was trying to run into my ship and I went fuck. <laughs> I mean, no peripheral vision. <laughs> so exactly. Which a stormtrooper does that in A New Hope as well. That's when, right. uh, yes. When they're all chasing after them in the Death Star, one of them like walks right into the top of the doorframe. I mean that that it's like a weird oval shape. So he was walking in at the <laughs> at the mm-hmm. one end that's a little bit lower. So yeah, it makes sense. Um. Yeah, I when when you had Din and and Mayfield both put on stormtrooper outfits, that's all I could think of was you're a little little small for a stormtrooper, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. But I guess uh Din might not be too small. So uh once again, I felt like we incredibly underused Ming Na Wen, but that might just be me. Don't know. 
I definitely think she gets underutilized. Right? Yeah. Like, I feel so like they just need to have her and Cara Dunes to do some hand-to-hand combat, like back-to-back stuff, fighting off a whole bunch of stormtroopers or whatever. Uh, maybe she'll be in Rangers of the New Republic. I was going to say, Who do knows? they get to go off on their or, own adventures together? I don't know. I prove it. Yeah, they they set a solid friendship there within those few minutes of sniping (laughs) together. You're like friends for life, right? (laughs) I I think I have it on good authority that we're not done with her. Oh, yeah. Fair. That's fair. Uh, Okay. Uh, I mean, what else is there to talk about with this episode with the Star Wars experts over here? Uh, Oh, yeah. So the sequence when they're uh, trying to ward off the the guerrilla freedom fighters that all they want is just to take back their planet. <laughs> yeah, they call um, them pirates. I was like, mm, I don't think they're pirates. They're not trying to steal anything. They're trying to blow you up. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah. trying to just use uh, guerrilla tactics here. Uh, well, anyway, uh, I love the fact that Mando still thinks he's wearing his armor because he tries to block the blows from these guys and the armor's just like, exploding off of his body yeah (laughs) you see him like just be in pain because like like, oh yeah this doesn't deflect things the way my stuff does honestly that's exactly what i thought was gonna happen as soon as he put that new armor on i was like he's gonna have issues fighting in it because he's just gonna stand in front of a bullet like it's gonna clean (laughs) nope spears and sticks and not blasters And it's it's not so much specifically Star Wars related. I just thought it was a really, really cool looking shot where um, he pulls one of the thermal detonators that they planted on the on the juggernaut. And it's all in one shot. Like he picks it up, throws it at them. And when it detonates, it's still close enough that it just blows him backwards. And just the way that that whole sequence looked was so cool. Like everything that they filmed on that. Um, I remember I saw like a, something online where they said um, like cool things you probably didn't even notice. There were several one shot like takes Mm -hmm. in that episode that were like really well done. And I'm a big sucker for that kind of thing. I love Mm -hmm. cinematography. So I thought that was pretty neat. So anybody that's out there and likes to look for stuff like that. It did remind me a lot of the scene from solo, uh, the star Wars movie that where they're robbing the train as it's going by. And then obviously also with the, you know, you got to keep the whatever it was they were transporting to try and make the the run, the castle run. Like they had the to keep that, Yeah, they had to keep that stable and stuff like that. So that same yep, thing with yep. the Redonium. Um, I also felt like this was a showcase at this point to show that, hey, look, Din Djarin knows how to use a spear. So when he has to use that spear against <laughs> He knows how to use it. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Well, I mean, he's a Mandalorian. They're taught in all sorts of kill but we have to, we have to show guess. it. We have to show it to yeah. the audience first. To make well, he's, sure. he's, yeah, got, he's, he's got to put all that training he did as the Viper to good use. And see That's he true. Only to do it for that one scene. <laughs> <laughs> one very memorable scene. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's why he doesn't take the helmet off anymore. Oh, how long have you been waiting for that one? Oh, man, since last season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then the last scene with uh, Dinger and just coming straight out and being like, hey, Moff Gideon, Gideon <laughs> I'm coming <laughs> for 
for you. I'm going to throw the gauntlet. <laughs> Why not keep the element of surprise? Why announce you're coming? I feel like you just had to have that badass moment you know, to cap that scene. And people online have been referencing that as the Taken speech. Where yeah. Mando's basically yeah. saying, I have a particular set of skills, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when you are the smaller force that is such bad military tactics. <laughs> He's a bounty hunter. <laughs> I, I don't know. Smaller forces have destroyed some battalions at times. So. No, they have, but <laughs> giving up your element of surprise when you are the smaller force is not ideal if you're the bigger force yes you want to show hey look we're here we're really big just surrender without us having to do anything but if you're the smaller force you want to just strike and catch them off guard yeah like that is true against the mountain <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah. it was just him throwing his words or moth gideon's words back at moth gideon Basically, because it is the same words from the first season of you don't know what you have and what it means to me. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just like, "Mm, you don't, you done messed up, sir. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. It almost looked like Mom Gideon was going to brush it off, but no, they they end it with him looking like kind of doing a hard swallow. That's uh that's pretty much the episode though. It's uh pretty self-contained and uh mm-hmm. very much a bridge to your season finale. So how does everybody feel going into the season finale? Mm, I don't know, man. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not want to watch it just so you know that it's not going to end? <laughs> I don't want it to well, it's going to end on a cliffhanger probably. So I'm scared. Yeah. I mean, already today, like there's talk all over the place that it's utterly amazing of a finale. So I'm not scared that I'm going to hate it, but I'm just more scared I'm going to like not be satisfied or just want so much more. And I'm going to have to wait a year. (laughs) Yeah, a year. I don't, I think that they're supposed, we're supposed to get in December of next year. Yeah. That and. One thing I've noticed from Filoni more than like other Star Wars writers is that he he's really good at pulling the heartstrings and just making me get emotional and cry during the shows and stuff. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> After finishing Rebels so soon and just some instances in the resistance, even I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> a large glass of wine, just a large glass of wine and just keep going. Uh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> How about you, Elizabeth? How do you feel going into the season finale? Eh? I mean, it's gonna, it, I kind of, I mean, they're going to attack Moff Gideon. They're going to get the child, but something's going to go wrong. So you're going to end up on a cliffhanger. But like, so. Luke comes. (laughs) Luke comes. That's right. No, no, Samuel L. Jackson, guys. There you go. That's what I'm, I'm hoping for. So yeah. in the back of a dark lit hallway, just psh, purple lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to credits. He's going to mirror the, the scene from Rogue One with the red lightsaber. Yes, exactly. I love it. I love it. But yeah. So it's just, it's kind of one of those, like, I'm sure it'll be good. I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm not really 
anticipating anything that I'm not already anticipating in some form or fashion. Like, I don't know how it's going to play out, and I'm sure there's going to be twists and turns. But generally, you kind of know how this is going to (laughs) work. That's fair. So one thing I have to ask the two of you, Jess and John. uh, You could just say the J's. The J's. The double J's. Look, so we... In the last episode, when we had Grogu on the scene rock and reaching out Mm -hmm. to uh, what we assumed was going to be a Jedi, is it a possibility that a Sith hears that call and shows up? Like, I don't know if there's any Siths around at the moment. I I just, I don't understand that whole lore, but like, is there, is it a, I I assume that it's, it's just the force and that even though it's the dark side of the force, they can still feel that kind of stuff. Technically, yeah. I mean, yeah. whether you're light side or dark side, you can feel disturbances in the force, and that's essentially what that was. Yeah, but I'm not sure it was that like they calling be, out. But I'm not sure they would be, since it wouldn't be directed towards them, that they would know the specifics. They would just feel something afoot. Right. Yeah, and as far as I know, with Sith in the world that we know of at this moment, there shouldn't be one until Kylo Ren or whenever the Snoke clone is created. So. Okay. Yeah. We don't know yeah. exactly what the state of uh, the emperor from the rise of Skywalker is up to around this time. If he's already up and about, or if he hasn't been well recreated or whatever yet. Yeah. I feel like it's hinted. They're using Grogu to recreate him. So. Should his father be around somewhere at this moment? Yes. But he's not. not He wasn't force sensitive. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. I mean. Real quick, since we're touching up on that episode again, uh, I forgot to mention it. And it was something that I had written down even to talk about. Um, I had mentioned if anybody noticed a callback or possibly a reference to a Disney princess in that episode, which was the return of Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand. Yes. I assumed it was the boulder. Yes. Yes. I thought we talked about this. No, we talked about it separately. Separately. Um, <laughs> yeah. I assumed it was, Too many conversations. I assumed it was the boulder <laughs> referencing to the animated Mulan when they did the avalanche. Yeah. Yes, exactly right. I was like, I yeah. saw that and I was like, ooh, that was pretty yeah. cool. I did absolutely yeah. love that Stormtrooper thinking that if he just kept shooting it, He'd be fine. <laughs> but just keep shooting this rock. They told, just, me, they told me they just to keep shooting at things. I really feel like, like if I'm don't. the good guy, this will blow up right before it gets to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not the good guy. <laughs> they really just do not give them the, the best of equipment like at all. <laughs> well, I mean, they're kind of... I mean, after the second Death Star exploded, like you have to think that they've got some money issues going on. That's fair. <laughs> like, should we be putting armored plating in this armor? No, nah, let's just use plastic. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's mentioned too. That's all. Well, see, the Emperor was a believer in quantity, not quality. He'd rather yeah. have like a dozen stormtroopers in shitty armor than like one Mandalorian and best car on his side. You know, he just yeah. didn't really see the value. Of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, one last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the fourth time. Yeah. Um, for the fourth time. <laughs> does 
does uh boba fett regret working for darth vader or i guess he was working for jabba but he kind of worked for vader right when he picked up han i don't know um uh i imagine boba fett probably hates the empire at this point i would feel like i'm getting that from his character i don't know why Tatooine probably changed him so but okay but yeah he he probably hates it's more like I mean the Boba Fett that I'm thinking from the snippets you get from him in Clone Wars when he was a kid sort of turning into his bounty hunter self is that he really wants to be independent thinks he can work alone or thinks he can be a leader kind of he's a real little snot-nosed little brat actually <laughs> smart but it's not nose little brat evil genius kind of sort of thing so I feel like he probably has realized the error of his ways I feel like we're dealing with a Boba Fett that has gone through like meditation or like some sort of life changing event you know like almost dying <laughs> in a worm thing I mean, so, <laughs> he's almost dying from a starlight it's not It's not the empire's fault <laughs> no but near death experiences but, like, I would reevaluate everything yeah, I would also say it's because he got in a contract like with the man and then he almost dies like it could be that now what makes you think he might not have been or might have regretted his decision to take the job for the empire I just, I, I'm just wondering because he's now helping Din Djarin, like go against the Empire. So I don't know. Maybe he regrets helping the Empire at one point. I, I'm literally just asking. I no, it's it was literally just a job for him because he was under the employ technically of Jabba the Hutt, like mostly for him. But he was a free agent also that could take side missions, and that's what happened there. Is that the Empire just needed, you know, bounty hunters in that moment. He offered his services. He got, you know, paid for it. And he delivered, like, he basically did two jobs in one because he was already after Han Solo anyway because of mm -hmm. the whole problem with Jabba. So this is, like, basically getting paid twice for doing one job. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That I'm just saying, like, even, even real-life bounty hunters, you know, might, after helping someone that's not so great, like might feel bad about that like i don't know and just saying they know the empire's not good at this point so what you're describing is what mando did in season one when he did the job of delivering the child and then had yeah. remorse and went back for him yep i don't think that's as common okay yeah. that's all, I'm just all <laughs> I, I think i think bounty hunters may go eh, i'm not gonna do a job for them again like mm -hmm. i'll find work other where other places but i don't think it's as common for them to be like, oh, that was a terrible thing I did. Like, no. I have to go fix it. Like, I, I mean, look at look no. at Yondu. Yondu got very upset with himself after bringing <laughs> all those kids back to Ego to get <laughs> eaten. So, <laughs> well, that's because he broke the rule of like no children. Yeah, exactly. And, okay. and he didn't realize that that must have messed with him pretty intensely. No, I think Boba Fett's much more pragmatic than that. He's one a person that sticks to his word. Um, you know, if he commits to a job, he does it. Um, he won't take a job he won't believe in. You know, if it really contradicts with something, um, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, we start seeing more about that pretty soon. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about that next week. So on that note, where is it that people can find you online, Jessica? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey writes. Anything specific you want them to talk to you about? I don't know. Did you guys cry at the end of Star Wars Rebels like I did? <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's looking for an emotional support group. <laughs> Please reach out to her. I'm sure they're out <laughs> it's there. It's been a week since I watched it. I'm still not okay. <laughs> John, Please reach out to her ASAP. <laughs> John, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Magic Bollocks. Okay. And you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia GEM. GEM stands for Geek Elite Media. Elizabeth, where can people find you online? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Check out our website, geekleetmedia.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network. Please rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you use to help spread the word of our podcast network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.